Hi, hello, and welcome back to Diabolical Woman, the podcast. My name is Tony Keniston. I am your host. Um, I'm also your friendly neighborhood mama mystic. I am um, your empowerment and entrepreneurial coach. And I also am a creator and small business owner myself. Um, we are continuing on with our series, Women at Work. And I'm really excited because today we have Olivia Sams with us. She is the Director of Human Resources, PMO, for a federal government contracting. And hi, Olivia, how are you? Hi, I'm doing well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for coming. We're really excited today because Olivia has a wonderful um, vantage point, specifically around women in the workforce, both as an employee, but also the Director of Human Resources. She has a very unique look at women at work and how we can best support you, specifically around the issues like um, the wage gap and making sure you're being compensated and those kind of things that, that I think she can really help us on. So Olivia, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do for work? Sure, great, thank you. Um, so again, thank you for the introduction. My name's Olivia Sams. I am currently the director of our HO PMO group for a very large scale government contracting company. And we provide support to all types of different federal contracts across the country. Um, I joined this company back in 2013, actually on the operational side. So I came over as a call center manager for a new contract that was being implemented back in 2013 that actually provided support to consumers that were enrolling in the Affordable Care Act, because that's when that was first rolled out. Um, so that's when I joined this company. And like I said, I came in on the operational side. Um, and I stayed there for about a year and a half in that role. And then at that point, our physical facilities shut down in my location. So I moved into a remote role at that point um, and just kind of provided operational reporting type support to various different contracts within the company that were across the, the country. Um, the timing of it was all perfect because the, our physical facility actually shut down in the end of 2014 and my youngest son was born in February of 2015. So it was really nice to be able to transition to a remote role at that point um, and be home with him. And then a little bit, uh, maybe a year or so later, um, uh, an HR director had reached out to me from a different division of the company and had an opportunity that he was kind of putting together this HR PMO team, which really looked to focus on providing support to all of the federal programs from compensation to compliance to labor law requirements and management. Um, and he asked if I wanted to kind of step out of the operational world and move into more of a back-end HR support role at that point. And that's, you know, right up my alley and I was very excited. So I moved into the PMO team where I'm at now back in 2017 and been there ever since. So going on five and a half, almost six years now. Um, and I absolutely love it because we have the chance to really provide consistency through all of our federal programs at the employee standpoint and be able to ensure we're in compliance with different labor laws that support all of our employees, really take deeper looks into compensation and make sure everyone is equitably compensated for the work that they're doing. Um, and so it's been really enjoyable, definitely a big undertaking, but I've really enjoyed it. 
I think that's amazing. That's so cool to hear about how you kind of like moved throughout your company into these different roles. Um, it seems like you're so perfectly fit for that. What are some of the biggest obstacles that you've run into in your industry, more so on the employee side as a woman in your um, industry? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, when I joined the company, I was more on the operational side. Um, there were so many obstacles at that point, not necessarily just on the, the women in, in the workplace or women in leadership standpoint, but from the aspect of setting up a government contract supporting the Affordable Care Act in a very conservative state. I think I'm in Idaho. So I think that was definitely um, shown some light on some obstacles and challenges that we had to overcome there, but then transitioning into a completely new department. So I really had no prior HR experience before moving into the HR PMO team. Before joining this company, I was very much in the call center world. I started as a CSR, very entry-level agent, gosh, back in like 2008, I was only 19 years old um, and worked my way up in a, in a, in a different call center uh, to a supervisor and then eventually a manager. And, you know, there's always challenges there being a young female working up and, you know, receiving promotions over a shorter time frame where you have to kind of combat that potential stigma or perception of why you're receiving those promotions versus someone else, even though you're putting in the work and you're showing successful results, there's always a bit of challenge there. Um, so then moving into this company and then again, moving into the HR role or HR world without a lot of background, I think it was challenging or at least from my side of things, I wanted to make sure that I always absolutely had a good grasp on the work that needed to be done on different compliance structures, on different requirements of the work that needed to be done to make sure that there would be no perception of, you know, favoritism or no mm -hmm. hesitance there it had to, so from my mind, I wanted to make sure that there was always the perception that I was very competent and successful in the role to, preemptively avoid any of those stigmas or, or perceptions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's fascinating. Do you find that women in the workplace, um, especially what you've come into contact with, that you're expected to either overperform or to overprove yourself, um, that you are completing the work um, and to prove their own worth in their roles? Yeah. Um, I think, I don't know if, ex if, if, if expected is the right word, maybe I, but I definitely think that a lot of women may feel like an unspoken weight or drive to overperform in order to meet and exceed expectations because of that perception or kind of, you know, an unconscious bias, even that men are seen as stronger and maybe make more definitive decisions um, and are just naturally more seen as, as leaders typically in the corporate workforce. Um, and so I think that that feeling is definitely there, whether that's, it, it may not be a clear expectation from senior leadership or their direct manager, but I think that feeling is absolutely there. Um, and it, it's a challenge, right? Because I think that especially over the last decade or so, there's a clear consensus from so many different scientific studies that show women tend to outperform men in key traits that are desirable in leadership roles. Um, you know, like self-awareness, self-control, moral sensitivity, humility, things like that. Um, 
However, you know, if, if we're seeing that that's the case and that's being scientifically proven, I think the question comes up, why are women still the minority group within leadership, right? <laughs> Definitely a smaller percentage than male counterparts. Um, and then as well, getting into that wage gap, like you mentioned, right? There's still a significant wage disparity between earnings um, between men and women in comparable roles. Um, so I think mm-hmm. all those different facts can definitely lend towards that feeling of wanting to overperform to show your worth mm-hmm. as a female in the workplace. Yeah. And so it, from your seat, kind of in your in in human resources, is that information that you find that is like that is more put in your face, like that wage gap that you can see even employees that maybe somebody else outside of human resources might not even be aware of is that a frustration for you i mean trying to make changes and seeing that there might actually be just like a change a difference there that you can't really impact yes yeah absolutely so working in the back end hr side so as i mentioned i run the pmo team for human resources so we don't do any employee relations no forward facing benefits you know your typical like um and you know an incident comes up on the workplace and HR point of contact handles it. We don't do any of that. It's much more on the back end, reporting, data analytics, compensation. So we absolutely see all of that. So we have, you know, access to all compensation records for the entire company, which comprises just over 30,000 employees. It's huge in wow. the yeah. entire country. Um, and it becomes extremely evident then when you can see those. And we, you know, we're constantly working through different compensation analyses for different projects, right? If, you know, we have a new contract starting up and need to provide market data to show comparable salaries for different roles within the industry, you know, outside of our company, that's how we complete, you know, proposals and bids to, to make sure we're pricing them appropriately. So we look at our current compensation versus the industry all the time and having that information so readily available, it's very clear um, and easier to identify when issues like that do come up. I would say our company is definitely more on the forward thinking side and have taken so many different actions, um, including expanding our DE&I corporate department to make sure that, you know, these types of analyses are done and then actions are taken from there outside consulting firms, completing like pay equity analyses and taking action there. But you're still identifying that problems are there with compensation that we have to take action to make increases or adjustments as needed. And it definitely makes you think, you know, are other companies doing this? Um, is it being identified or caught? And, and then really, how did we get here, right? Like how did all of these you know, it, how did it just become so normal and natural to have these gaps and differences between not just men and women, but all different diversities and um, different classes? Oh my gosh, I can't imagine how frustrating that would be, right? Because like, in for me, I would want to be able to just click a button and be like, okay, like we can just fix it. but you can't always just retroactively take away somebody's pay and make room in a budget to build up. I mean, I'm sure there's so many different places or um, structures that are in place to make it fair, but at the same time, those structures might slow down actually making things fair because you can't just have an unlimited budget, which would be probably yeah. really nice. Right. Yeah. So the money has to come from somewhere and 
you have to, you know, take into consideration if you're in the middle of an option year and the budget's already been approved and making changes like, you know, in the, in the middle of that period of time, where's the money going to come from to make those corrections? Yeah. Well, we know that women, um, as we had talked about, both with just overperforming in order to prove their worth, but as well, we have a lot of like young women who are, you know, moms and have lives outside of that, um, who can really tend to feel like get lost in that overperforming. And there's so much burnout, especially that we're expected to kind of wear all of these hats, just as women in general. Um, in your opinion, what are ways that women can, like in a healthy and polite professional way, assert boundaries um, so that they are not con like continuously burning themselves out in order to overperform um, just to prove their worth? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's so easy. I think especially we've moved into a rem primarily remote environment where, well, like I mentioned, I've worked remotely since 2014 or so now. So it's, I've all been at home for so long, but with the majority of the nationwide workforce moving to a remote environment since the pandemic, it's so easy to just keep working. You don't have your set nine to five schedule anymore where you leave the office and you're done. You can, you know, log off and go make dinner or whatnot and then come back on and get buried in emails. So it's really easy, I think, to overexert yourself or put in too many hours. I'm terrible on that side of it because <laughs> when I, I get stuck on a project or <laughs> if it's something I'm really passionate about, I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm just, I want to make sure and get it done on time and get it done the right way. Um, but what I try and definitely strive to work with my team on is so for one collaboration with the entire team, making sure there's open dialogue and open communication between everyone on the team of here's my projects, here's what I'm working on, you know, here's what my bandwidth is, I can't take on anything additional because I'm, I'm booked already or I need help from someone else. And then also having a very clear and open dialogue with your direct manager, always being able to feel comfortable reaching out to them and saying, here's what I have on my plate right now. I can't take on anything else until I get X, Y, and Z done. Or I know I have PTO coming up in two weeks. And so I can't take on anything new because I need to wrap up what I'm currently working on before going on vacation. Um, so I think having that clear communication with your direct manager as well as your peers is really important to making sure you can balance your work life right so you are not just glued to your computer screen or glued to your your projects all the time and feeling that pressure um i think also like i said clearly communicating with your manager and also you know coming to your one-on-ones or feedback sessions with them or whatever you have set up with clear goals and you know what you do want to accomplish what you realistically have time to accomplish and then you know asking for their feedback on on any changes or improvements that you can make yeah that's amazing yeah i absolutely understand um one thing i've also heard of from a lot of people i know um when i spoke with jesse last week about um fat phobia in the workplace you know she had kind of run into this issue with not necessarily her manager but a manager and for a minute there, she almost did not want to broach the subject um, with him because there gets to be this point, I think, where women believe that it's just easier for many people to stay silent and not even necessarily with those like really big issues, you know, like where, like sexual harassment. Those are obviously very real and important as well. But even certain 
just those boundaries in place, you can be more worried about a negative impact on your daily life. That if you, if I speak up and like, you know, maintain my boundary, what if they get upset with me? And then my life is just more miserable after that. And I know you mentioned you don't really do too much with the, that part of your company, but maybe even you have some insight on how we can better resolve these workplaces issues for women who are afraid of a negative outcome, you know, or just a more difficult time from coworkers and superiors. If they do say, I can't take on that other project, you know, those kind of things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's, you know, a very, very real thing. And it happens probably way more often than we think it does that, you know, maybe women even just or and it could be anyone right but I think it's probably more prevalent in women in the workplace or, or in leadership positions where you'll get asked to take on additional tasks or projects. Um, from not your direct manager or someone else or a different project or a different department or something like that. And you don't want to say no because you don't want to either negatively impact that working relationship you have with them or you just want to be helpful even when you don't have that bandwidth. So I think something you know to, to kind of combat that is like I mentioned before, having a very, very consistently open dialogue with your direct manager, with your direct manager's manager, depending on what your organizational structure looks like, and being able to approach them with situations as they come up when you need it, right? If, you know, um, you're consistently receiving requests from someone in a different department, when your plate's already completely full, um, being able to go to your manager and openly discuss it um, I think is really helpful and feeling that um, availability, I guess, that your manager will be receptive. And one of the ways that I feel like has been really helpful in the past is not just coming to your manager with, okay, I've got this problem, this person just keeps piling it on all the time. Um, I, you know, I, I don't want to say no. What do I do? Not just coming to them with a problem and asking for a solution, but kind of analyzing it on your own and kind of trying to determine why is it happening? What's the root cause of this? Are they only coming to me because they know I'll do it? Are they only coming to me because I, they know I won't say no? Do they know I'm going to do it the right way? Why are they reaching out to me and kind of looking at what's the problem? Are their department understaffed? Are they trying to recruit or source new talent for their program or their department? Um, is there another department that we currently have that may be able to provide an automation solution for them or something to assist with this you know, issue that keeps coming up? So coming up with different potential solutions and then going to your manager and say, hey, this is something that's you know, continuing to happen. It's potentially impacting my you know, weekly hours because I'm taking on X, Y, and Z what do you think about me proposing this solution to them in the future? Um, you know, how about, you know, are you comfortable if I go to them and offer to assist with sourcing talent for a new addition to their team or working with them on their budget or, you know, coming up with different solutions. So then you're able to clearly discuss that this is something that's negatively impacting your working environment and your ability to complete your normal tasks, but also coming up with a solution or potential solutions so your manager knows it's a concern but you're you know willing and able to to assist if needed and I think that's something that's been helpful um, for myself and for my team in the past as well. 
Yeah, that's it. That's really, really, um, that's really smart. I, I like how you put that is because it allows for your manager not to feel as though you're also dumping a huge problem on their plate that they now need to sort through and it kind of can get out of control. But just taking a moment to step back, figure out what the root is and maybe some potentials. Um, and that also can probably show that you're that you're dedicated to doing your job very well. Um, yeah, I love that. What advice do you have um, for, well, for anybody, but especially for women, since we love to talk to our women here, who are looking for promotions and raises from a human resources standpoint, like and anything that you might be able to help with that. Um, and what do you like to see when considering upward movement um, for women in positions? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm very data-driven and a numbers person, 100%. So I always like to see quantifiable results or justification as to why someone is looking for a promotion or a raise. But I think there's, you know, there's a couple different steps, right? So I think from an employee standpoint, your first step should always be to begin that discussion with your direct manager. Um, and that needs to, like I've mentioned, I think a few point, a few times, um, if you haven't realized, I think that's one of the most important yes. things to have very open dialogue with your manager, feel, be comfortable with them and, you know, make sure you tell them what your career goals are and that what you want to do and where you want to move within the company and what your interests are. But, um, you know, start that conversation with your manager and, and, you know, come with, like I said, quantifiable results as to specific projects, um, that have had a successful outcome, what your contributions were to them, how you impacted the successful result and in which way, and then tie it into, you know, your previous conversations with your manager as in, you know, you know, I've been interested in career pathing in this direction. Um, you know, at this point I've done X, Y, and Z, this has been successful. I think I have an opportunity, you know, wherever to continue to grow on what's your feedback for my next steps in order to move to that new position or that new level um, and open the dialogue there. Mm -hmm. I think in terms of um, from like the HR side, at least from my team side, we definitely look at the bigger picture of what's there fiscally or from a financial standpoint. Mm -hmm. um, so it depends on what contract an employee is tied to, what was originally priced into the contract. Um, are they looking for a new position to, or a new promotion to a position that doesn't even exist, um, but they are showing and you know working through with their manager that it would be extremely effective and beneficial to the program itself to have a role like this. And then what that looks like from a financial side and making sure all the logistics line up. Um, but from the actual like employee standpoint, I think it's extremely important to have that conversation and provide those specific facts of, you know, what work you've completed, where you've excelled in, um, key performance metrics that you've met or surpassed, um, projects you've successfully managed that had positive outcomes. And then, you know, just continue that dialogue and ask for the specifics from your manager too. ask them to, you know, lobby for you with HR and with senior leadership and get additional details for you. Like, okay, well, based on, you know, current financials, you know, we don't have anything in the budget for the next six months, but at the next option period, X, Y, and Z may be doable. So in the next six months, you have that opportunity to further your education, you know, um, 
there's, I think most companies, I know ours does, but most companies have extensive online learning tools that are available to further different skills, pursue, you know, certifications that may be beneficial to your career track. And so be really aggressive and take that opportunity to improve upon the skills you already have that would make you vital and essential for those roles. So yeah. I guess the key points really are just communicate your worth and doing that through like a very specific tangible way by showing quantifiable results, the open dialogue, um, and then continuing to grow your, your education and your skills. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's something I know in my work um, one-on-one with a lot of women is that confidence level is yeah. something that we all, and myself included, I don't think it's it is across the board. We have a very hard time asserting ourselves, our self-worth. Mm-hmm. And I mean, when we even get down to on more my side outside of, of that, like that's such a like shadow work and psychological issue that we have been actually told to suppress within our femininity is to repress things on our animus. So those assertive and powerful, those things that are make us less ladylike apparently mm-hmm. are actually kind of need to tap into when you're going to be asking for promotions and raises not and then you don't have to come out aggressive and roaring but you know hype yourself up and that can be really difficult especially for women who struggle with you know humble I just made a post earlier about um it was like you know I was saying like you know you're way worth that job you might even be overqualified but let's start the day off humble my post literally said like I love all of this except for don't start your day off humble like you should start thinking that you are um, the amazing person that you are and really own your talents and your skills continue to develop them and when you have a seat in front of somebody that could impact your career don't be afraid to really show them that you know what you're talking about you're confident in your skills and they should be confident in you as well yeah no absolutely I think that's (laughs) A huge thing. I struggle with confidence um, all the time. And I think that's why I maybe overcompensate on the side of showing data-driven results and very quantifiable results, because at that point, you know, it's right. This is tangible. This is a true proven, justified, substantiated success that I can use to kind of leverage. And then it helps with, you know, being able to confidently present that because you know everything's been ticked and tied, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so that seems like a very important thread, both, I mean, in any part of this that you're going to be wanting to talk to an HR person, again, now that you have to come off, please don't come off and yell at them and become super aggressive. We don't want that. But not going to go anywhere good. <laughs> you're going to make the wrong turn really quickly if you start yelling. But um well, so we're going to be wrapping up here in a second, but I know one thing that a lot of um, people listening will be interested in hearing from you are ways that women can professionally and effectively address the wage gap um, in ways that they can help, like you said, leverage their way into what they're actually do for compensation. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's a really challenging one for, depending on what your role in or your role is or, and, and just challenging overall, really. Um, because specifically you never want to 
call out someone else's salary or compensation, right? And really outside of HR and compensation, most employees in the workforce don't know. It's not something that's like openly shared what average compensation is within the company or anything like that. It's considered personal information, right? It's private information that's not distributed or shared or anything like that. So I think the biggest recommendation I have or where I would always focus is when you're looking to, you know, discuss with your manager of a raise or a promotion, focus the conversation on yourself and your work contributions and successes rather than a comparison with others internally within the company, right? Ensure the conversation stays on that trajectory while having the discussion um, and asking them for that direct feedback and making, you know, leading the conversation in a way of, you know, I feel like I've excelled in these areas that, you know, I was proven successful on this project with a positive outcome. What are the areas that I need to improve on in order to be eligible of progressing to the next level or to be eligible of receiving additional compensation um, that's comparable to the work that I'm performing and asking for direct and specific feedback from your manager. And um, I think that's a good way to focus the conversation. Um, You know, even you can do research on your own of comparable salaries and market data that's out there for similar roles within the industry or within different companies that are performing similar work as what you're doing um, and just kind of to get an idea of where you're at and and kind of use that in conversation. Um, but I think the, the biggest help is to just begin those discussions with your manager around here's where I'm at. And this is what I've you know proven tangibly with the work that I've performed. What else do I need to do? You know, you can ask even questions around Um, you know, based on the significant increases within the market across the country, does our company or our department have plans to increase salaries equitably across the board to account for these changes um, and differences in cost of living? Um, I think by asking questions like that and just starting the conversation with your manager, it's very non-threatening and it just kind of opens the door for them to share what the plans are from the company, or if they don't know, you know, it opens that discussion so that they can pursue that with their senior leadership or with their HR. And I think it's helpful because that should be a conversation at every level of employee, I think, across the board. Um, So I I think there's no one answer for that, but that's, that's what I would kind of, at least that's where I would start. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, (laughs) The reasons actually why you and I began discussing this and, and having you on was because um, I believe I had made a post or I'd shared it from somebody about um, about how little we actually do talk about wage and compensation and how much that can actually, it, it does feel so taboo. It is like the most uncomfortable thing. I hated, like, I, I remember one night I was out with some friends and we brought it up that we were out, you know, we were having some drinks and we kind of started talking about it and everybody got super awkward because it was like one of those, like, oh my gosh, we can't, like, for some reason, it's just so off limits, but normalizing it in ways that I guess just feel right and comfortable and don't breach any of your work rules. Don't, don't break any rules in order to do it, but you know, it can be, it normalizes it so that maybe even somebody in a very lateral position might not even realize that that's a possibility that they could be making that much. Exactly. 
yeah. from what I hear you talking about, that's going to be really important are a being prepared for these meetings with your manager and leadership, like making it as easy as possible for them. So not coming with a jumbled mess, but saying, this is what I'm looking at. This are solutions or what I'm looking for, but making sure you're prepared for these meetings instead of popping in and saying, Hey, I'd really like to make an extra 5,000 more. Could you please just make that happen? Like that's probably not going to have the best. <laughs> so being prepared. Thinking Go ahead. Oh, sorry. And I was just gonna, I was going to say, I think also just having it a, a continuing dialogue, not just I'm going to set up yeah. this one meeting and I'm going to talk about it all. I'm going to be prepared and bring it all it needs to just be a regular conversation and something that you touch base with your manager on on a consistent basis. Yeah, planning ahead. I loved how you talked to about like talking with your manager about what your career goals are. And that's something I mean, like I was made a little note in my head. I was like, I should have my husband make sure he does that. Cause I don't think he's ever really sat down and said, even like, this is where I would love to get someday. And mm -hmm. so from a manager standpoint, how can they coach and guide you into that role if they don't know that you want to be there? So that open communication right. probably being a very important part yeah. in your workplace happiness, <laughs> which is right. always well, that was all of my questions for today. Do you have anything else you'd just like to share um, and talk to our listeners about? Um, I don't think so. I mean, this was really wonderful. Like you mentioned, I think it's so important to normalize this conversation more and um, for everyone to also, I think it, it, it sometimes it, you get lost in just getting up, doing your day to day, getting through your work day uh -huh. that you kind of forget to look, look around, right? Like, where do I want to be in a year or five years? Is this an industry I really enjoy? Do I want to pursue promotions and additional levels here? Do I want to look into a different department maybe, but, you know, taking advantage of, you know, whatever environment you're in right now and really making sure you're happy with it or where you want to go and, and looking at, like you said, the career goals and any changes you want to make and just normalizing that conversation with, your direct manager, your HR, if you need to, or anything like that. Um, but I think this is a, a great topic. And again, thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you so much for coming on. I feel like we tackled a bunch and got some great information for our listeners. So thank you, Olivia, so much for coming on. We appreciate it. Thank you. And you guys all have a great night. That is it for this week's episode of Diabolical Woman, the podcast. Um, come back next week. We're going to be talking with another woman at work and who's going to be giving us a lot of great insight in her field as well. So you guys have a wonderful night. Thank you so much.